Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. I have an absolutely killer Patreon giveaway for everybody, so please stay tuned for that. And even if you're not a Patreon, just listen anyway. I'm going to get all excited and shit, I know it. You guys can all make fun of me for it. Um, and also, it's just me this week, uh, no guest. And I really wasn't sure what to do about that. Um, you know, I guess about half the people in the comments loved having a co-host on and having people just kind of discuss stuff with me and the other half seemed to hate it and just wanted a quick update so i think i'll put i'll try to do some kind of online poll thing and put a link down there um and maybe we can all just vote and i guess if everybody if it really is about 50 50 maybe i'll just alternate or something but uh yeah as always i just want to do whatever it is that you guys want to hear and see so uh let me jump right into the news and get to it it looks like the xbox one x uh, has just been released to the public so this means two things. First of all, Microsoft has continued the worst naming scheme in history. So, I mean, the Xbox One was hard enough because that's how most people would describe the original Xbox. Uh, and then now it's the S, which I understand, like a little spec bump, and now the X, which is Project Scorpio. So I don't know. But um, because this is out, that means the price of the S has dropped significantly used. Um, you can get them new for like 220 and I've seen them used with a controller for like 170 on eBay, uh, which is pretty good for people who, you know, who were looking to get into it. So if anybody has one to sell, let me know, because I, uh, I was kind of interested in getting a cheap one. Uh, at the very least, as an Ultra HD Blu-ray player. But I'd rather buy within our community rather than some weird eBay seller, because you never know what you're going to get. So uh, please let me know if you got a cheap one to sell. I just need the console and a controller or something. Next up, the G-SCART Switch Lite and the G-Comp Switch should be back up for sale in just over a month. Um, I guess by the time this aired, they had already sold out very quickly. Uh, and, you know, Super G is usually prepared very well for these, but he's really taken it upon himself to, to push the limits here. So rather than doing a pre-order, uh, he's ordering everything himself and then selling off his stock. So it kind of works for everybody except for those who miss the cutoff. Um, to be honest, I really don't know which is better. I love the fact that people who pre-order, because his old pre-order windows would last like two weeks, so, you know, I kind of loved the fact that you could just give them your money, walk away, and you'll get it eventually. But being able to pay for something and then get it pretty much right away is amazing as well. So uh, I'll keep everybody updated, and I'm sorry that it sold out before the podcast aired, but, you know, these things are getting more popular, so uh, nothing you could do about that, I guess. And speaking of stuff being in stock, the open source scan converter is now fully in stock. So if you guys buy one, uh, it should ship within a few days, which is pretty amazing because that is my favorite upscaler. I absolutely love mine, and the 1.6 version that's out now is the best they've ever had. So if you are ever hesitating at all to get one, now is definitely the time. And hopefully knowing my luck, you know, maybe it won't be sold out by the time everybody hears this. <laughs> And the OSSC actually even has a firmware update now that includes the reverse low-pass filter and a lag tester. So the reverse low-pass filter is what they're calling uh, how you take the Super Nintendo 2 chip and kind of put the blur back in line. Um, I'll put a picture up here for everybody to see, and I'll, I'll link to a picture as well. But it's kind of neat. Um, I do get the same type of vertical aliasing lines I would get if there was no low-pass filter at all on an analog signal. So it's kind of a trade-off. Um, I'd almost be, I almost want to see this 
through the OSSC onto a VGA monitor or something, because you won't really notice those, but if you have a two-chips NES, this might actually be the way to go. And maybe if you run it with scan lines on, um, it'll kind of cut through those vertical um, aliasing lines and it'd make it look better. But I just think any any stuff like this is awesome, and if you have an OSSC and a two-chips NES, definitely just check it out. And the OSSC latency tester involves you putting a phototransistor into like a box or something to keep the light out, uh, and then making a modification to the OSSC, which is kind of funny because everything in this hobby requires a mod for it. Everything. <laughs> but um, Dan, aka Citrus3000PSI, has done it to his, um, so you could actually just plug it right in and hold something up to it. I haven't had time to do this yet, but I'm really excited to try it because this would be very cool to just do a quick lag testing just with one device. Um, and I, I still really will have a video on how to do lag testing coming out soon. Um, I just haven't had time for it, but it will be coming out eventually, I promise. Next up, it looks like the team behind Darksoft's Neo Geo Multicart has fixed the Unibios issue. So now there's 100% compatibility with all MVS and I guess AESs that have a Unibios. Um, and I guess they're just really doing the updates uh, on the last bit of the prototypes and retesting, and then they might open pre-orders. So I am obviously super, super excited to get my hands on one to try it. Um, everything Neo Geo related kind of has a bit of a lore with it because of the, how expensive and rare it all is. So um, I did very much like the Neo SD. A lot of people were, were really hard on it due to the loading times, but as long as there isn't loading times like added to the game... I really didn't mind, so, um, you know, to each his own, uh, but I, Dark Softs was definitely, uh, from the videos they posted, looked like it had a much faster loading and a few extra features, so I really want to put it through its paces, um, and I'll have both to try, of course, so, uh, you know, fingers crossed that we'll be able to pre-order this soon enough. Next, Woozle has demonstrated TV output from a Neo Geo Pocket Color. Uh, it's really exciting because at the moment the only way to do a TV out mod is to get that K2 video adapter, which is unbelievably rare. It's even rarer than those Nitro DS ones that I have, uh, and way more expensive. I think the cheapest I've ever seen it was 1200 bucks, and I'm sure it would sell for a lot more than that now. Uh, Woozle only has it working in black and white, black and white, black and white, <laughs> but it's uh, you know it's his first attempt at it, and he nailed it right away. So this is using the same technology that he had in his Game Boy Advance uh, HDMI out kit. And hopefully this means that at some point we're going to get a full kit for the Neo Geo Pocket Color. And, you know, there are a bunch of good games on that library, so it's, you know, anytime you you have a way to play a great old handheld on the TV is exciting to me. Actually, I would take that for any generation, because while I do love handhelds, I prefer playing on a big screen TV. So awesome work from Woozle. And um, I think his Game Boy Advance kit is, uh, it was put a little bit on hold because of his schoolwork and stuff, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to check one out within a few months. Saint has posted stating that the Jaguar SD ROM cart is pretty close to finished and that he's just working on the case for it at the moment. 
He said it's most likely going to ship with a 3D printed shell because it's going to take a few months to get like an actual injection molded case made. And I have to say, I, I've seen his 3D prints and I think they're absolutely fine. I didn't have a single complaint about mine for uh, his other ROM cart. And it looks like a 3D print, so it looks like, you know, you could see the lines on it, but it wasn't flimsy at all. It was a sturdy piece of plastic. So uh, I'm all for just getting the 3D printed shell and getting this thing out to customers quickly. So. Uh, you know, as soon as it is open for pre-order, I'll obviously let everybody know, and hopefully I'll be able to get a demo or a prototype in pretty soon to test it, because I'm pretty excited for it. The user Serific on the Shmups forums has posted screen captures of that M cable, the one that has the built-in anti-aliasing all in an HDMI cable, and he used the Datapath capture card, the same ones that I use, uh, I believe it's the Vision RGB E1S. Then what capture card you use is so important for all these things. Um, some capture cards compress the colors. Some of them are just inconsistent and crappy. At some, if you're doing analog, some process 240p is 480i. And this is really something that whenever the new site's out, I really want to make sure there's guidelines for what pictures people are allowed to post, which might sound a little uppity, but I mean, this is actually really important. So he's using a card that's known to have really just as good capture quality as you could get. Um, and he posted pictures. And I gotta say, I'm actually pretty impressed. Um, I wouldn't do this with old, you know, 8 and 16-bit games, because the jagged edges are something that was kind of supposed to be there. Um, but for something like, you know, a, a PS2 game, I actually think it really improves the image. And any kind of 3D games like that, it really just smooths things out in the right way. Now, of course, these are just screenshots, and it's really hard to tell without playing it in person. But if you're a huge fan of that era of 3D gaming, so, you know, I would say the sixth generation, I believe, so PS2, Dreamcast, this really might be kind of a cool upgrade or something to play around with. So I'll leave the, the pictures up here, obviously the link in the description to the, uh, the Shmups page, but kind of make your own opinions on this one and see if it's something that might be right for you. The Neo Flashmaster is back in stock. That's the Neo Geo Pocket Flash card that uh, has, you could do one or two games at a time. Um, basically, you got to flash them individually with USB. So that's, uh, that's awesome. Now you have two choices, really. You have that cheaper option, and then you also have Saints ROM card that allows you to put a whole bunch on a micro SD card. And I like them both, so, uh, and I love options. So if you guys were looking for a more inexpensive version, definitely check that one out and pick it up. Crix has just posted another update to the Mega EverDrive firmware. So uh, this one also has the updated FM sound core from Necronom 5, and as well as a, some uh, bug fixes and a few other options. So if you have a Mega EverDrive, uh, definitely upgrade. I saw an article on Engadget that was labeled, Nintendo's long-lost Flash games are returning to the web. And to be honest, I didn't realize they ever did that. I don't know if it was just that time in my life where, you know, beer and chicks was more important than video games or what, but uh, I guess they had 30 mini-games up there that would correspond with releases of certain games at the time that were just in-browser Flash games. Uh, and I guess they're going to be available again now. So it's kind of neat. You know, anytime there was some little piece of history uh, that's coming back, it's always a good thing. And last for the news, Mateus, the guy that uh, turned my intro into a full motion video intro for the Sega CD Genesis, 
also did it with the Ghostbusters cartoon intro. So um, this is absolutely killer, uh, and I just I love his work. I know it's I know it might be a little weird getting so excited about just seeing other videos play through a Genesis on an RGB monitor, but it makes me happy. Maybe that's the nostalgia part of all of this. Uh, but either way, amazing work, and uh, keep them coming. That's awesome. Up next is this month's Patreon giveaway for all of the October Patreons. And holy crap, is this one a good one. Um, I have been so unbelievably lucky to have an amazing group of Patreons, as well as a bunch of people that have donated some great stuff. And I just, I can't tell everybody how thankful I am for absolutely all of it. And this month uh, certainly is no, uh, is no slouch in the Patreon giveaway department. Um, I don't know if I'll ever be able to top this one. But on behalf of GameTech USA, this month's Patreon giveaway is a high-def NES with a couple of reprograms and two controllers. So that's absolutely freaking amazing. I mean, I just, I, I can't believe that I get to, to give this away, and I hope whoever gets it really loves it and understands what it is that they're getting, because this is pretty freaking killer. Um, you know, I just, especially after all the shit that happened last month, uh, I'm very, very grateful for people that stayed on as Patreons, uh, as well as, uh, you know, Game Tech for, for really donating this, and, and I just, everything about this is really humbling for me, so uh, thank you guys so much. Um, you know, the, the Nest car is still at Game Tech, which is why I'm not holding it up or anything, and it'll just ship directly from him, so... Um, I guess let's just get on with the drawing because this is pretty exciting. Okay guys, here we go. Uh, the drawing for the high def nest bundle. Holy crap. And the winner is Vitar Delacqua. Delacqua? Delacqua? I got it right once in the comments. Wow, congrats, man. You got one absolutely awesome package. So uh, if I don't hear from you by the end of the week, I'll contact you. But uh, I think it's much cooler when people watch it and go, holy shit, that's my name, and email me. So, uh, you know, thanks so much to Jason from Game Tech. If you haven't already subscribed to his channel and follow him on Twitter, please do so. Um, it's really awesome that I get to, to, to give this to some of the Patreons. And, you know, thank you so much, of course, to all the Patreons that support me, because there's no way I could keep doing this without you guys. So thank you guys so much, and everybody go follow Jason. Now on to the Q&As. First up, Pornswoggle said that that was actually him who had mentioned the Toshiba laptops that he was able to get CU CRT MU driver running in 240p, uh, and he said the model he used was the Toshiba L650. But basically anything around that time that had the supported ATI cards would work. So hopefully I'll get one eventually to try out. It seems like a really quick and easy solution to having a, a PC that does that. Um, but it seems like a great solution for things like um, AM2R or even Sonic Mania. Next up, Tofu Man had a pretty good question regarding the Indiegogo campaign. And, uh, you know, if you guys are bored of hearing about this, just skip it. But I thought it was a great question, and I never mind the hard questions. I actually really like them. Um, and he said, you were talking about the new site being for eternity, and how the goal is to put in tons of work for a couple years, and then maybe taking a step back and let it develop, meaning that, you know, once I get it going, let the community kind of take over. Um, that sounded great, and that's why I believed in it. For me, it's hard to understand, though, how you had to pull 
pulled the plug because you thought you were set for the next few months, but that fell through. It didn't work for me with the confidence that you presented this to be for the ages. Um, if you want to worry about, I worry that if you want to try giving this another go in a while, you might not be seen as reliable as before by some people who only know you from a video or two. Um, well, uh, first of all, that second concern, you're, you might be right, but I would much, much rather be known as some guy that tried to make a website and had to quit and maybe would retry it than be known as the guy who took everybody's money and didn't deliver. Like, there is not even a small hesitation in my brain for that. Like, I don't, the worst thing, if the worst thing that happens out of this, out of this is some people say, oh, well, didn't he talk about this one other time and it didn't work? Totally fucking fine by me. Uh, I just, I, you know, I've met so many amazing people in this community, and having that as a reputation is totally fine compared to, hey, isn't that that guy that took thousands of dollars of people's money and ran away with it? Like, I couldn't live with myself for that one. So, you might be right. And respectfully, I, I don't give, give a shit for hopefully all the right reasons. Um, your other point, um, I, I understand why you were asking it, but maybe you've never run a website before. Uh, and I'm not being condescending, I'm being quite literal. Um, in order to get something like this running, especially anything with a community effort, somebody, uh, preferably a lot of people, but somebody has to be on point all the time to get the ball rolling. So, you know, imagine like rolling a rock down a hill. You know, it's as you're cresting that hill, it's going to take a lot of effort, but once it starts rolling, it's just going to roll on its own. And that is usually what happens with these things. And, you know, we've all seen those uh, online communities go completely to shit. So without somebody there to, to try, guide it in the right direction and, and even do all the work first, and then a, one person or a group of person to continuously update it and keep it going in the original vision, like, that's, that's what's going to make this like the Wikipedia for nerds. And I'm not saying I'm the only person that could do it. I, I would never, I would never in a million years try to make it out like I'm the only guy that could do it. But um, I'm the only one that has tried to so far. So um, I will get to it eventually. I'm talking to a couple of people about a couple of different options. But I don't even want to make step one until I know that there's a there's some set plan to make sure that this thing goes live. What I think is probably going to happen is I think in a little while it's going to have a soft launch, just a few private members, just to get the back end stuff finally greased through. Um, the site itself is functioning pretty great. There's just a long list of little tiny tweaks I got to do before I make it um, consumer ready. Because, you know, right now, if you're already used to writing in a wiki style, you could just do it that way. But I like point and click stuff, and I feel like more people would contribute. Um, but once it gets rolling, you know, open it privately and then kind of let people in. I still have no idea now what I'm going to do. You know, is this a new site? Do I keep my old site? Do I make this my old site? You know, I'm working all that stuff out. But I, the only other thing I definitely don't want to do is just throw this thing away. I don't want to just give this site up or, or just post it as is and let people do it. I mean, I spent a lot of money and a shitload of time on this thing. Um, so I just want it to roll out correctly. And if it's got to be delayed a couple months, then whatever. So, you know, thanks for the hard questions. I'm glad people asked them. And thank you for asking respectfully. Um, a few people didn't, and I still answered them. And uh, I talked with them afterwards, and they were still, they're actually cool people. They just, you know, just blurted out their question rather than uh, than asking nicely. So thank you for asking nicely. And um, I don't really get to, I haven't gotten too many questions since it, uh, it was over, so I guess if I get a lot more, I'll just address that separately. But if I only get, like, one more question about it, I'll just answer it here. Uh, and if you're listening to this in your car and don't want to hear about it, you know, 
hopefully your cars get the skip function built into the steering wheel. <laughs> Next, Grounded Astronaut Gaming sent a question that I get all the time. Um, and it's that he wants to see what I consider to be the ideal setup for all the great consoles we know. Um, and just wanted to get uh, like an overview of what to do for each. So um, it's actually a lot easier from the console side than it is from the total solution side. So for your consoles, anything 5th gen and earlier, definitely RGB. If there's a mod available for it, do it that way. Um, you know, and if for whatever reason there is no RGB mod available, try for S-Video and then of course composite last. But I think everything's got at least an RGB or S-Video mod at this point. Um, for 6th gen consoles, so those are the ones like the PlayStation 2, the GameCube, and uh, I guess even Xbox would be considered in that. Um, the easiest thing to do is component video, but if you could do uh, you know, anything better than that, it's great. The issue with those is the majority of games are 480i. Um, and that would affect your display. So if you're going through a processor, or if you're going directly to an RGB monitor. So it does get a little weird there, and I could talk for a long time about that, but that should probably be, each of those 6th gen consoles should probably be their own uh, explanation video. Um, but I guess the easiest thing is if you're just uh, playing on a 480i only device, just try to get RGB cables for them. Um, and then of course anything after that, you can use an HDMI cable, so just do that unless you're trying to do something funky. As far as what happens after the console, um, I always suggest people's first step to be just getting a few RGB SCART cables for your favorite consoles, and then getting a female SCART to BNC connector, um, or like a female um, FrameMeister connector, or if you have an OSSC, you don't need anything because it's got it all built in. But I would just basically plug each console in one at a time just to start. It is very, very easy to drop a few grand in this hobby and then six months later realize, maybe this isn't for me. I've had a lot of emails from people who, who email me and you know for suggestions, they buy a bunch of stuff and then a year later I get an email saying, yeah, it wasn't for me, I'm selling it all to anybody that wants it. So if, you know, it's a good experience to go through if you have the cash and you, it, it's a great nostalgia blast. But save yourself the money and just, even if you have all of the cables like piled up so you could just unplug and they're already sitting there, um, that would be a good idea just to save some cash. And no matter what, a direct adapter is always handy. So it's not like you're wasting money on a, like if you're using a PVM, having that female SCART to BNC adapter handy at all times is great no matter what you're doing for testing or whatever weirdness you're gonna get yourself into. Uh, and then once you get past that, once you need a switch, um, you know, instead of, I guess, instead of that female BNC cable, you could try to get a cheap SCART passive switch, but there's very often issues with those. So the next step is to get a SCART switch or a BNC switch. Um, the G-SCART switch light is by far my favorite. The picture quality is amazing. Uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of the project. Um, I'm not. I'm not just a big fan of the project because uh, I helped sell it for you know for one of the sales runs. I the reason I got into helping Super G was because I loved the thing and I wanted to help. Um, so that's definitely a great piece of equipment to own, and you could daisy chain two together for 15 inputs. If you need more than that, or if you need crazy matrix switch, switch options or things like that, you can get into Extron Crosspoint switches, which are really great. But the only problem is you would either need to get female SCART to BNC adapters for every console 
or which the solution I think would actually be better is console to BNC cables. So it goes directly from the console to those twisty ends right into the cross point. Um, and those are really expensive, and they should be. You know, that's this isn't something easy to make. You know, you need the more expensive cables. So there are scenarios I know. I know a couple of Twitch streamers. They got the big ass cross points, the 32 by 32. They're bigger than a PVM almost, um, and they got the shielded coax BNC cables for each console, and they have many many outputs. You know, going to different scalers depending on what console. Like the uh, the that cheap crappy SCART scaler is actually perfect if you're streaming games that switch between resolutions, and you know, there's that's when you start to get a little crazy, but. When you start to get that level of craziness, there's usually a specific reason. You know, you, you do it as a serious hobby, a Twitch streamer, or maybe you do it for a living. And in all of those cases, everybody ended up keeping their SCART cables for any time they needed something else. So, you know, you could you could very easily go crazy with all this stuff. Um, and as far as the display, pick what's best for you. Um, I... I could live without an RGB monitor. I could go from the OSSC into my OLED TV and love it, but I don't. I would prefer owning a BVM. That for me, uh, and shockingly enough, the you know, the games that I prefer to play are four by three games. So just having a uh, you know a four by three PVM or BVM twenty inches is great for me. Uh, when you get to the those games, any kind of 16 by 9 game, those widescreen BVMs are amazing, but they're ridiculously expensive and keep going up in price. Um, and, you know, that's pretty much it. If you're going to go with a flat screen, uh, either go with really high quality, like the OLEDs average about two frames of lag, but they're amazing quality. And some new TCL TVs have less than one frame and are, are great, great quality, but, you know, not the level of OLED. So that's the basic rundown. I tried to keep it about five minutes, um, and I think that covers everything, to be honest with you. But if anybody wants like uh, more in-depth stuff on specific consoles or generations of consoles or anything, let me know. Um, but the short, short version, RGB mod everything you can. Um, go direct at first to save yourself money with switches and all that stuff. Uh, and especially if you have like a Super Nintendo and an N64, you could share the same cable for those, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then pick the solution that's right for you as far as display. Well, that's pretty much it for this week. Before I go, I just want to mention the interview I did with Dan, a.k.a. Citrus3000PSI. It was a great interview. We talked about a bunch of awesome nerdy shit. Um, but there was one thing I really hope didn't get lost in the excitement of the GC video stuff. Now, of course, that's awesome, and he did a great job, and so did Greg with the 3D prints. I'll hopefully get to interview him at some point soon. Um, and even, you know, very cool things like the tray in the back of the GameCube, which looked like it was for a feature that got canceled, but now it fits the HDMI port perfect. Uh, I love stuff like that. But I just don't want the PS2 C-Sync stuff to get lost in the mix. Um, Dan put up schematics on his page so you could kind of trace this stuff out yourself. Uh, but I, it's, a, in my opinion, a really, really important find. So we go over it in great detail, but the short, short version is you get RGBS official real C-Sync out of the ports with this mod and not composite video or Luma, and light guns do still work. Um, 
I really feel like this is going to solve so many PS2 users' issues that try to use 480p. Because if you have an open source scan converter, you just plug it in, go, you press a button to toggle between uh, sync on green and not. If you have a BVM or a PVM that accepts it, beautiful, you just hit the little button. But most people um, aren't really in those scenarios. Uh, and especially if you're using a GSCART switch, because even if you do have an open source scan converter, you still have to go through that switch. So this mod really solves all of that. Uh, I'm actually working with iFix Retro. Uh, ben and Jose are coming over, and we're, we've already gutted a bunch of PS2s, and I'm going to try to take pictures. Because while Dan did an awesome job doing the schematics, most laymans, myself included, prefer to see a little picture with circles and arrows and MS Paint. Um, but the other thing that I really wanted to try as well is a, a toggle switch, which we also talk about. So switch toggled one way is RGBS, uh, the other way is back to stock. That way, should you ever need composite video for anything, it's there. But I just, uh, you know, I'm sorry to ramble on about this. I just don't want that to get lost in with the GameCube video stuff because this is really going to be a great solution. And I'm going to try to post those pictures as soon as I can. Um, I've been swamped with everything lately, so while I'll, uh, I'll get those up, the page might not be spectacular, but I'll try to at least get the pictures up um, and good quality pics so people could follow the mods. So thanks very much to Dan for doing the interview. Um, and, you know, I, I really enjoyed doing it. I always enjoy the interviews, but the super nerdy ones always make me happy. Uh, and as always, any comments or criticism, please leave it down below. I love hearing from you guys, and I'll see you next week.